Some Mueller and Justice Department officials are saying that William Barr, the Attorney General, his uh, representation and interpretation of the Mueller report is not as accurate in terms of uh, describing the wrongdoing that Trump could have potentially committed. Also, Democrats are bracing for a legal battle over Trump's tax returns. They could actually get them this time. I will explain why. And I'll also talk about the brand new developments just coming out this night over the Jussie Smollett case. It's all coming up next on episode number 80 of the Jay Doherty podcast. This is the Jay Doherty podcast. And now, broadcasting live from downtown Chicago, here's your host, Jay Doherty. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Jay Doherty podcast. My name is Jay Doherty. It is uh, Thursday, April 4th, 2019. And uh, there's a lot to talk about today. The big news day out of Washington, generally, I want to say, and I want to thank uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post generally, uh, regardless of your uh, political affiliation, I do think that the both of these world-class news organizations have done a very good job of portraying the Mueller report, or at least the facts, you know, they add their little opinions into them, but, uh, in, into the facts, but, uh, you know, I think in general they have been, uh, uh portraying their, uh, world-class views and world-class, uh, class reputation in a pretty, uh, adequate manner. So, this is the quote, this is the, the, the head and the thesis of the, uh, article that just came out of, um, just came out of Washington in the New York Times office. They say, some of Robert Mueller's investigations have told associate that attorney general uh, to- associates, excuse me, that attorney general William Barr failed to quote adequately portray the findings of their inquiry, and they were more troubling for president President Trump than Mr. Barr indicated, according to government officials and others familiar with simmering frustrations. So, what does this mean? Well. Uh, first of all, it's very interesting uh, to hear exactly what this means. Now, uh, er, to to hear this, uh, you know, this new piece of information. Uh, I think first of all, we can't dr- jump to conclusions. Whoever is saying this could be. I mean, first of all, it's a confirmed source, so they do have some knowledge of the matter. Second of all, uh, you know, William Barr, just to remind everyone, and most of the mainstream media does not understand this, that Mr. Barr is a Trump appointee. Trump did him a favor by appointing him, actually reappointing him, um, or nominating him, excuse me, uh, for uh, the uh, attorney general position after he fired Jeff Sessions. Now, the guy who's actually really important here, and he has been getting a decent amount of uh, media coverage, is Rod Rosenstein, who was the dep- who was and still is the deputy attorney general, um, and he named special counsel Robert Mueller to actually uh, investigate uh, the potential ties uh, for the uh, with the Trump campaign to uh, the Russian government or any Russian uh, entities that were involved in the Russian government or any Russian entities involved uh, with the Trump campaign. So, uh, Rod Rosenstein is very uh, important. Now, a lot of people get him confused with the uh, at-once acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker. He was just, he's still, I believe, works on the staff. He was the Chief of Staff for Jeff Sessions, and uh, Rod Rosenstein, the Deputy Attorney General, kind of diverted from the normal protocol, making him, I believe, the, uh, er, well, I mean, I know he was. I don't know if the protocol was set in stone or Mr. Rosenstein deferred from it, but I know that at one point he was the Attorney General. Anyway, the thing is, in Mr. Uh, Barr's report, he basically clears President Trump, except for this one sort of uh, what Republicans are calling cheap line, where he said that um, the president is basically cleared from 
all the crimes that were discussed in this this investigation, but he's not further exonerated. Now, for some reason, Trump took this opportunity to lie when the truth was on his side. He went out in front of the reporters at the time that uh, Trump gave those comments and said that there is complete and total exoneration when the uh, bar from the subordinate, technically, of Donald J. Trump said that there is not full exoneration. Like, I, I don't know. He, the truth is on his side. Like, okay, in this case, all of the crimes that he's been investigated uh, for in nearly two years, he has been cleared of. I think you should be celebrating that fact, which they did. They did in many ways. But, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I have all these notifications coming in. Uh, anyway, um, they, they did in many cases, but... Uh, in that case, I don't know why he would take the opportunity to lie when the truth was definitely on his side. And, um, yeah. So, the House, uh, and I talked about this yesterday, the chairman of the House uh, Judiciary Committee, Mr. Jared Nadler, he is a representative from New York. Um, he, uh, yeah, the 14th District of New York. Uh, maybe that's Ocasio. I don't know. He, he's a representative from New York, and he uh, said that the Mueller report, if it is not handed over, which it definitely will be in some way or the other, uh, depending on if Mr. Barr, uh, just decides to willingly give it up at some point within the next couple of weeks, or if, um, the uh, House, uh, Judiciary Committee actually goes ahead, goes along with their subpoena power and um, authorizes this report to actually be made public. Uh, I don't know what the, um, in a way that this will actually come about, but I know that it will definitely be out in the public's hands within probably April, the month, and I would assume probably about mid-April, maybe even earlier. Um, so, yeah, interesting. It would be really interesting to uh, see. Anyway, I want to read this full report, this full letter, because it is not read. Never in the history of any news organization has uh, anyone read a full letter uh, you know, at least major news organization. I know people will be like, oh, well, actually, in, you know, this small town, they did it. But no, in any news organization, they have, they rarely ever, just because it diverts the attention of, of viewers, uh, read anything uh, that is probably more than two pages straight uh, on, on the air. Uh, so, let me start here. Now, the the, the special counsels. So, the, the report itself was actually divided into, uh, I believe, four sections. Uh, yeah, four sections, uh, and it was written by the attorney general William Barr, and it was uh, written to the committee chairmans of uh, four people. And those four people are Lindsey Graham, who is the chairman of the uh, committee on the uh, on judiciary in the United States Senate. Jerry Nadler, who is the committee on uh, excuse me, the judiciary in the House of Representatives. Dan Diane Feinstein, excuse me, who is the um, uh, ranking who is a ranking member in uh, the judiciary committee in the Senate, and then Doug Collins, who is a ranking member in uh, on the judiciary committee in the House of Representatives. So. Obviously, the Democrats say, well, we want to make sure that we hold him accountable and we do not need your interpretation. We want the full report. We want the facts, not a letter about the facts. So, 
This is the important part of the first section of the letter. This is what, word for word, Mr. Barr wrote. He says, The report explains that the special counsel and his staff thoroughly investigated allegations that members of the presidential campaign of Donald J. Trump and others associated with it conspired with the Russian government in its efforts to interfere within the 2016 U.S. presidential election or sought to obstruct the related federal investigations. In the report, and this was already prior knowledge just because the media has done a fabulous job keeping track of it, um, this, and obviously that's not in the letter, and that was just my own commentary. Anyway, the special counsel noted that in completing his investigation, he employed 19 lawyers who were assisted by a team of approximately 40 FBI agents, intelligence agent, analysts, forensic accountants, and other professional staff. The special counsel issued more than 2,800 subpoenas, executed nearly 500 search warrants, obtained near, uh, more than 230 orders for communication records, issued almost 50 orders, uh... Uh, authorizing use of pen registers, made 13 requests to foreign governments for evidence, and interviewed approximately 500 witnesses. The special counsel obtained a number of indictments and convictions of individuals and entities in connection with his investigation, all of which has been publicly disclosed. Very important to note. During the course of this investigation, the special counsel also referred uh, to... Uh, several matters uh, to other offices for further action, which is the really interesting thing here, because even if this report does not find anything, there will certainly be uh, financial fraud that will be uh, directly uh, related to the president. All these charges, all these indictments have nothing to do with actually uh, collaborating with the Russian government. All of them have to do with uh, basically tax fraud, uh, financial fraud in some way, shape, or form. So uh, for Democrats to say that there are actually these indictments, I don't think that would be a good idea uh, to go on you know, CNN or Fox News and be like, uh, you know, these all these indictments have um, direct charges, uh, direct connections to Russia because they don't. Take Roger Stone. He was a great ex example when it came out. He was charged uh, seven total counts. He was uh, charged on witness tampering and six counts of lying to Congress. Those are all terrible crimes. He should be adequately punished for those, but those have nothing to do with connections to Russia. Uh, and also, mind you, uh, he was a Trump associate, so to play devil's advocate here, he was not Donald Trump himself, obviously. Roger Stone is Roger Stone, and while he may have been working uh, uh, with Donald Trump, there is no, at least as far as we know now, no explicit direction of uh, or within the coordination of Donald J. Trump telling him to do these things. Um, anyway... Let's talk about uh, how the actual report is divided, when it gets here, so we know a little bit about the structure of the report. So according to Mr. Barr, he says the special counsel's report is divided into two parts. First start, the first part describes the results of the special counsel's investigation into Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential election. The report outlines the Russian effort to influence the election and documents crimes committed by persons associated with the Russian government in connection with those efforts. Now, uh, he says crimes that were connected with these efforts. Now, I don't know what uh, sort of free speech laws uh, people or at least citizens of foreign governments are protected under. Obviously, everyone has human rights uh, in most countries, but um, in including Russia. But uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to understand exactly what these crimes mean. A lot of that, a lot of this was social media um, saying that you know Trump would win and basically shutting Hillary down as opposed to boosting Trump. Um, and, uh, you know, whether or not that can, um, you know, uh, kind of supplemented Trump's popularity, we don't know, and probably we will never know, because you cannot conduct an investigation into every single person that voted for Trump in the United States election. That would be a tremendous waste of money and also a tremendous waste of time, so I don't know why you'd want to do any of those things, and that's not even on the table, so I'm wasting your time by talking about it. Anyway, 
He says the report further explains that a primary consideration for the special counsel's investigation was whether any Americans, including individuals associated with the Trump campaign, joined Russian conspiracies to influence the election, which would be a federal crime. The special counsel's investigation did not find that the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with Russia in its efforts to influence the 2016 U.S. presidential election. That is a very important part. Let me read it again. The special counsel's investigation did not find that the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with Russia in its efforts to influence the 2016 presidential election. Now, I don't know what this, I mean, okay, first of all, that's a very explicit statement, we understand, no communication, no coordination, uh, no co, you know, and no, no, any form, to their knowledge, to the special counsel's knowledge, uh, you know, coordinated with Russia, so that's what we know now, at least that's what we can assume to know now, uh, but what will be interesting to see when we actually get the report is the communication with WikiLeaks. Now, WikiLeaks, of course, was um, the huge uh, data, uh, what I like to refer to as a data management company that illegally obtains assets and then publicly distributes them to the public. Uh, A lot of people just call them an uh, anti-American, you know, corporation that is for the good of the people, or for the bad of the people, and, uh, you know, of course, Edward Snowden and all those people are kind of tied into the WikiLeaks uh, helm of things, and that that seems to be the general attitude towards them, especially on both sides of uh, the party. Uh, both both parties agree that WikiLeaks is kind of just, I mean, it's a leaking organization where they uh, take all their infrastructure and put it towards exposing American governments and uh, basically anything. It's not it's not exclusively American governments and, and, and corruption within uh, American government, but, uh, it, you know, it generally has pretty controversial leaks that are illegally obtained by either a leak or hacks. So, um, anyway, they were able to obtain the 33,000 emails that Hillary Clinton deleted, and supposedly, according to many reports, these emails obtained by WikiLeaks were given or somehow distributed to the Trump campaign before they were publicly available, and people were going to use, in the Trump campaign, people were going to use these uh, documents for uh, for the um, purpose of denigrating Hillary Clinton and bolstering Donald Trump. But that statement, and we don't know, he doesn't even talk about WikiLeaks or any distribution of assets uh, or potential, you know, um, I guess you could say want for assets uh, that would be damaging in this report. So it'll or in this letter. So in the report, we'll be able to see exactly what this means. Um, he does though pull out a quote from the uh, report, among many, uh, saying the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or co- coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. So that is the first important part of the letter. Now, we get to the really, really important part that Democrats would use as a talking point. And this is the really weird thing, the thing that really doesn't make sense to anyone on either sides of the line. First of all, the special counsel was for some reason not able to conclude if Trump obstructed justice, um, basically under a part of the Constitution, which talks about specifically the ideologies of what would happen if a president were indicted while sitting in office. So, 
I don't know if he, I think what he kind of, I mean, at least from what we know, which is very little, uh, we can assume that he uh, basically was like, okay, here's the line, I'm walking really close to the line here, I don't know if he obstructed justice, um, and my team of lawyers does not know how to obstruct justice, the Attorney General's job is to look through these facts, look through these uh, documents and understand whether or not the president obstructed justice because that is the job that he has been nominated to do by the president then confirmed by Congress. So why don't I just let him figure it out and uh, I'll give him all the facts. So it's basically like, here's all the stuff that you need to solve a problem, now solve it. And uh, that's what we're going to be getting the answer in within the next coming months, uh, even though we may get the report much sooner. Hopefully we do get the reports uh, much sooner. Now, this is the important part uh, to talk about here. This is the second part of the Mueller report, which addresses a number of actions by the president, most of which have been the subject of public reporting that the special counsel investigated as potentially raising obstruction of justice concerns after making a, quote, thorough factual investigation into these matters. Special counsels considered whether to evaluate the conduct under the department uh, standards, giving governing prosecution and declination decisions, but ultimately determined not to make a traditional prosecutorial judgment. This is the important part. They did not make a traditional prosecutorial judgment in saying yes or no. Uh, basically, the way I look at it and the way many analysts look at this, you obstructed justice, you committed a crime, or you did not commit a crime. It's yes or no, no maybe. Um, and instead of a maybe, the special counsel just decides to say, we don't know at the time. I don't know why. But I just gave my best guess before. So anyway, uh, the special counsel, and this is from the uh, letter, therefore did not draw a conclusion one way or the other as to whether the examined conduct cons uh, constituted obstruction. Instead, for each of the relevant actions investigated, the report sets out evidence on both sides of the question and leaves unresolved what the special counsel views as quote-unquote difficult issues of law and fact concerning whether the president's action and his intent could be viewed as a obstruction. The special counsel states that, quote, while this report does not conclude that the president is committed, uh, has committed a crime, this is the really, really important point, it also does not exonerate him. So, this is the, literally, the line, this paragraph, this whole paragraph is very important, but that line that says the special counsel states that, quote, while the report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate them. So, two hours after that report came out, when he was leaving to go back to Washington from his glorious estate in Florida, he says, total exoneration. <laughs> uh, total exoneration for, really, I don't know why. As I said before, the truth was on his side, yet he, uh, for some reason, lied. Let's see if we can get this clip uh, here. After a long investigation, after so many people have been so badly hurt. That's kind of an exaggeration. After not looking at the other side, where a lot of bad things happened, a lot of horrible things happened, a lot of very bad things happened for our country. It was just announced there was no collusion with Russia, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. There was no collusion with Russia. There was no obstruction and none whatsoever. Well, okay, that's actually not true. He did not reach a conclusion as to if there was obstruction, so I don't know why he would lie about that, but anyway, let's just keep listening. And 
It was a complete and total exoneration. That is less factual than anything you have ever said uh, in your life. So, I don't know, literally in a law document, it says that he, was, in a report that he is referencing, it literally says, in, and I'm reading this, it also does not exonerate him. He literally just claimed total exoneration, so I, I don't know why he... I mean, you know, when people, when the far, far right say that Trump's never lied, like, that's kind of the poster uh, boy of, of that, that fact right there. So, yeah. Um, okay, so this is actually the other part where you really get into the nitty-gritty of the Constitution and um, the special counsel's rules and regulations. So, uh, the status of the department's review and this is as of the Sunday that this letter was released, uh, Mr. Barr says, the relevant regulations contemplate that the special counsel's report will be a, quote, confidential report to the attorney general, and uh, for the rules, there's a regulation 37,038 on the 64 Fed uh, is what he cites, which was enacted in uh, July 9th, 1999. And then he also says, as I previously stated, however, I am mindful that the public interest is in this matter. For that reason, my goal and intent is to release as much of the special reports, uh, special counsel's report as I can consistent with applicable law, regulations, and departmental policy policies. So, I think that's really fair, actually. And then after that, he goes into a bunch of, you know, rules about the special counsel and actually cites the ones as, you know, the reasons why he can't uh, do certain things and release certain confidential information, which is very, very fair. Uh, I think that's fair. The things that he wants to, of course, um, uh, hold back are things that could potentially be, you know, uh, personally damaging to people involved. He also wants to... Um, hold back any grand jury hearings, which it would be illegal to release, so he wants to be released publicly, so he wants to hold back on that. But that, I don't know if it'll be that heavily redacted. Maybe, I'm guessing between, I mean, the, the sources are saying that the um, report, the original report is actually nearly 400 pages, and he wrote a four-page document, uh, four-page letter about it in just under four days. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if that's possible there, but, uh, uh, so, you know, that's always a concern whether or not uh, he will actually be able to, uh, he actually covered the whole ground in this report. Sources are saying, and people within the Justice Department breaking today are saying that he pro he is making the president sound less uh, in trouble than he actually is. So, um, let's see here. In this article the re uh, released by the New York Times, uh, say, let me see here, um... Sorry, this this uh, New York Times article is fabulously written. It's just incredibly long, and it's actually very well organized, but I was looking at something else, so I kind of shifted off here. Uh, let's see here. So, at stake in the dispute, this is according to the New York Times article, the first evidence of tension between Mr. Barr and the special counsel's office is who shapes the public's initial understanding of the, one of the most consequential government investigations in American history. Uh, some members of Mo Mr. Mueller's team are concerned that, because Mr. Barr created the first narrative of the special counsel's findings, Americans' views will have hardened before the investigation's conclusions have made public. I completely agree with that. I really, really do completely agree with that. Although, if Mr. Barr did not release this uh, letter, he would have been destroyed by the Democrats and potentially even some Republicans. He would be attacked by not doing his job, not doing this, you know, becoming too unbiased, uh, or, or becoming, sorry, too biased. I mean, 
he would he's really in this case darned if he does darned if he doesn't but more darned if he doesn't do it so he did it yeah <laughs> uh, that's the way I look at it um anyway uh, that is what where it stands right now. But there are sources saying, really, basically, that um, in the chain of communication seemed to be someone from the Mueller team told someone who, uh, something about the report, and then there's someone that the someone told was told to the New York Times. So I it was like boom, it was like three layers of communication. I don't think there's a leak. I think there's someone who is telling someone something, and then that person tells it to the New York Times. The New York Times is reporting that this investigation really, like, more or less is basically more damaging to the president's uh, personal reputation, maybe not the law, but his actual uh, personal rep uh, reputation, and could be potentially more embarrassing to him uh, than this letter states. Really, there's nothing more important and more relevant than that in this story, so I don't really see any reason to uh, loiter on the matter at the moment. So we're going to move on to Democrats. They're bracing for a legal battle over Trump's tax returns. The House Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal is prepared to issue a, uh, issue a subpoena for President Donald Trump's tax returns if the administration refuses to turn them over. That is according to an aide on Thursday. And Politico has done a great job of reporting on this. He says, or the political article says, written by Aaron Lorenzo and Heather uh, K. Guile, says that in a letter to the IRS commissioner, Chuck Reddig, who is a um, uh, Democrat from Massachusetts, a colleague of one Mr. Joe Kennedy III, who I just saw uh, in Washington a couple days ago, and I also interviewed him. If you want to look at that interview, uh, please do. Um, at j-story.com. Uh, anyway, the this is what happens here. So, in this article, he says, Trump left little doubt that he would resist the effort repeating claims that he is being audited by the IRS. He has been saying this forever. Literally forever. In July, of, uh, July 8th of 2015, he was asked by um, Katie Turr of NBC News whether or not he will release his tax returns on time and uh, he really dodged the questions in a in a way that I've never seen Trump do, where he's a little bit hesitant instead of just full-on lying. Here's Katie Turr asking the question. So you will release your financials on Absolutely. time? Yeah, I'm, we're gonna, I think we're going to have it on time. In That's fact, eight days from now. Me, excuse me. I'm allowed 45-day extension and another 45-day extension. I don't expect to be using any extensions. You know, on time is really not on time because you're allowed automatically two 45-day extensions. I don't think I'm going to be using them. I should be filing. They're very complicated. You know, these papers weren't meant for me because of the complexity of and the bigness of what I have. Okay. But we should be releasing them ahead of schedule. Where do you get your money from? Uh, I made it the old-fashioned way in real estate. In real estate. I made it. And I made a lot of money doing everything I did. I made a lot of money with The Apprentice. Okay. All right. So he did all this stuff and, you know, talks about where he got his money. But uh, anyway, that's what Mr. Trump says. He said he's still under an audit. He's been under a quote-unquote routine audit for more than two years. I don't know if that's actually possible. But uh, he says, quote, they'll speak to my lawyers. They'll speak to the attorney general. That's what he said in the Oval Office when he was asked about the issue. When pressed on whether he would direct the IRS to release them, he again said that they will, quote, speak to my lawyers and speak to the Attorney General. Now, uh, demanded in a letter by the uh, to the IRS commissioner, Mr. Uh, Neal here, Representative Richard Neal of Massachusetts, the Democrat, said that... Uh, t um, 
Chuck Reddig on, on Wednesday, the letter said that six years worth of Trump's personal tax returns, he's demanding all of them, as well as some from his businesses, they want them to be handed over by April 10th. That is six days from now. <laughs> he wants these documents to be handed over in six days, um, all of Trump's tax returns to see how rich he is, how not rich he is, and how much money he actually has in his businesses. Very interesting. Um, so, uh, let's take a look here. On uh, Wednesday, uh, Mr. Trump said, and this was yesterday, of course, he says, until such time, I am not under audit. I will not be doing that. Thank you. And then kick, kick you out. I mean, that's how it seems to be within the media in many, 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 many times, but specifically in this one. So, uh, the potential fight here between Mr. Reddick and Mr. Neal, uh, says that the, you know, really what Politico is reporting is that the fight could escalate into a court battle, but he says that the possibility would be unrealistic, or at least that's the mood he gave off, but he did say specifically that he wouldn't discuss the possibility, saying, quote, that remains to be seen, and that was in an interview with Politico. And then in the same interview, Mr. Neal said that they've prepared me and they prepared the case, talking about his uh, legal standing uh, with the committee attorneys, and they signed off on that request for the return. So he has congressional approval, but the thing is that he needs court approval, and you know the legality of it gets very very complicated, um, so when Trump actually says to talk to my lawyers and talk to the Attorney General, uh, he has a point, and, um, I actually think maybe that was his strategy, he's like, I'm never gonna do these on the, I'm never gonna submit my, uh, tax returns on the campaign, because people will just forget about them, people probably won't even look at them, they just think the symbolism of transparency will be important, which basically most people do feel that way, and so he just, and I don't know if he's smart enough to think that, but I think, uh, someone on his team was probably like that, and then he said once he gets into the office, which he probably won't, <laughs> anyway, but if he does, then, they can just deal with the procedural niceties that happen way too often in government, and uh, that seems to be what's happening now. So, if this was indeed Mr. Trump's master plan, it is working. Uh, and there's really nothing more on that. I mean, until we actually see how rich he is and how, you know, the tax returns will come out, I don't think it'll be soon. I think if at any time it'll come out at a minimum of one year, but I could be totally wrong on that. It may, it may come out tomorrow. I, I really have no idea. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens in there, but before we end the show today, I want to talk about one Mr. Jesse Smollett. Boy, this guy has been a riot in the news. The city of Chicago is getting ready to take the Jesse Smollett case to court today, and this was breaking uh, about an hour ago. They want to, uh, get the Chicago Police Department's overtime costs paid because Smollett failed to pay... The $130,000 required uh, for the police cost. That was the first of many. Now, what the Eddie Johnson, the Chicago Police Superintendent, is saying on this is what he said always. Where do I think justice is? I think this city is still old an apology. And so, yeah, that's what he says. Uh, you know, I think it's very true. The city should be owed an apology. There have been such a collection, such a large collection of things in the city that I happen to live in uh, within the past couple days, or past couple, excuse me, months, that have just made the city look terrible. Terrible on a national and international level. And J Jesse Smollett is just one of them. Um, 
Of course, the terrible shooting in Aurora uh, that happened on a Friday night. I remember seeing that live. Uh, it was terrible what was happening, uh, and that was in Chicago. The Jesse Smollett case, that was in Chicago. The Lincoln Yards Project, that's gained national attention. There has been so much uh, attention on the mayoral race, which just ended. Uh, in many cases, it actually this the, the it these cases have drawn attention away from the mayoral race, which was good for some candidates because they didn't want the negative coverage on them. Anyway, uh, to get to the point here, here, the la- last week, the city imposed a seven-day deadline, which happened, of course, last Thursday, uh, where uh, Jesse Smollett was forced to pay repay the one hundred thirty thousand dollar one excuse me one hundred thirty thousand one hundred six dollar and fifteen cents of incurred costs and threatened legal action under city municipal codes if he failed to do so. So. The deadline came today, and it passed on Thursday after 6 o'clock, so that was the breaking news. Now, the law department will file a suit in the near future, and as a quote of, as part of the legal action, the law department will pursue a full measure of damages allowed under the uh, ordinance. Now, that is from Mr. Bill McCaffrey, who is a um, Cook County Circuit Court uh, spoke uh, for Chicago uh, spokesman who talked about the case of Mr. Justice Smollett. Now, if we look at the way that uh, the mayor, Mr. Rahm Emanuel, who is going to be gone in a probably, let's just see, your 37 days from now, and we will, will be replaced on Lori Lightfoot. I did two episodes before this all about Lori Lightfoot and her potential administration uh, and the people that will definitely surround her. And if you want to learn more about that, please go ahead and go to j-story.com and listen to the uh, episodes. Anyway, if we take a look at how the mayor and the city council as a whole is re- reacting to this, uh, we can hear that Mr. Rahm Emanuel says that it is a uh, whitewash of justice. This is a whitewash of justice. Now, he probably said that, and I happen to know for a fact that he is a huge, 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 huge fan of national attention for not only the city, but also himself. So, when you say something, uh, you know, that definitive about a very controversial case that's getting international attention, uh, you will be hoped to be asked to be interviewed on uh, CNN. Now, we have to, uh, you know, remember that uh, Mr. Emanuel served the uh, Obama administration in a pretty high-level position. He was not in the cabinet or anything, but he was a staffer, and uh, he was paid and worked pretty well. So, very important to know that he he does have a... uh, uh, kind of political history within national politics, and he transitioned over to local, and now that he's done, he will either go back into national, which I really highly doubt he will do that, he'll most likely go and make a couple hundred million dollars in the private sector, just like many of the mayors and their families have done in the past, uh, <laughs> Bill Daly and uh, others. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I think that's where it will be, and uh, that was supposed to be kind of a uh, cough there, but... Uh, you know, it was kind of a joke. Anyway, uh, let's see here. We are at 34 minutes and 8 seconds on the podcast, and I think this is a phenomenal place to end the show. Therefore, I am uh, going to do so. It is 7.39 p.m. on Thursday, April 4th, 2019. I thank you so much for watching. If you want to get the latest news, go to j-story.com or thedoortyfiles.com. If you really want to get the latest news, go to thedoortyfiles.com. Um, and also, sign up for the newsletter at j-story.com slash newsletter and join over 500 people who get the news, the latest news, in their inbox with unbiased opinion every single um a week on Monday as Mondays at 5 a.m. I say unbiased. It really is uh, most of the stuff, unless I indicate otherwise, is unbiased. I do uh, analysis. Uh, 
analyze that a word I do I do many uh, analysis pieces but I also do opinion pieces and then obviously this show is very heavily opinionated so if you want to get a dose of opinion listen to this or go to the opinion section or the analysis section and uh, if you want to get straight news sign up for the newsletter or just go on thedortyfiles.com thank you so much for listening I'll be back tomorrow for another episode of the J Doherty podcast thanks for listening